Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week we started something we're going to continue today, and that is talking about households of faith. What what does it mean to live out faith in Christ in our everyday lives, and especially among the people that God has connected under your roof with? And that can look very differently for your household situation, whether, you know, roommates or uh, parents or siblings or whomever God places. What does it look like to live it out and live it out, live out God's word, God's will, and live out the gospel with those nearest to us? What does that look like? How are people living out their Christian faith within their household? And so, There's been a study done in the past year, very recent, as a connection between Lutheran Hour Ministries, a ministry that we've been connected with for a long time, and Barna Research, who are probably the most well-known and top-notch Christian research group. They teamed together to ask that question and did a major survey of of practicing Christian families to say, what do your lives look like? What are your what are your practices? That what what are the markers of you living out your faith within your household? So they asked these questions of people to find out how are Christians in America living out their faith or not. And guess what they found? They found four groups that that kind of broke down in different ways, and they put the top group, they called them spiritually vibrant households. So those that you just say, wow, people really are living out their faith, trying to say, what does it mean to to tell those around me and live out the gospel that that God loves me so much that he would send his son Jesus to live, die, and rise for me? And and that's the most important news there is, the most important thing I could know and live and believe. What does it look like to live that out for us? If you look way back in the Old Testament, you see Joshua saying that to the people around. They're tempted to go after all these other gods they have, and he says, no, look, look, choose this day whom you will serve. He says, for me and my house, we're going to serve Yahweh. He, he brought us out of Egypt. He saved us from the Egyptians. He, is the, he brought us into the, into the promised land. There, he said, they, God has given us everything that we do not deserve. And he said, I don't know about you guys and your family, but this is what my family's going to do. We're going to serve the Lord. So that's, as for me and my house, household, we will serve the Lord. So what about that question, what do spiritually vibrant Christian households look like? So last week, we started talking about that because they would put people, the 25% that from all the people they talked, they'd say, wow, these are probably the model households. And I said a little last week, they don't use the word family because households seem to just fit better for who lives with you under your roof because it may not be people you're family with, and so household's the word they use. What does it mean to be a household or a spiritually vibrant household of faith? And here's what they found. They found this. Spiritually vibrant households talk about God or faith together weekly. They pray together every day or two. They read the Bible together weekly, and then also welcome non-family visitors several times a month. That's what they found. Now, you might say, some of you might think, thinking, wow, we don't do any of those. And the good news is, well, you can change one little thing today. That You can change it. That's fine. Uh, my wife and I had good conversations and changed some things about our family as a result of some of this, too. Uh, and also the good news is, you look at those and go, oh, those aren't, those aren't hard. They're not magic. They're not some huge, it's not like you, you have to do some, take your children far away across the world somewhere else to have a 
a huge experience. Those can be wonderful, but it's saying talk about God or faith together with your household weekly. Pray together every day or two. Read the Bible together weekly and welcome other people to watch you do that or do that with you. So to put that in a nice graphic they did for you, that means to, one, apply spiritual disciplines, have spiritual practices. Yes, worshiping together, absolutely. In addition to worshiping together, it's praying together, reading the Bible together, and then far right, engage in spiritual conversations, that is, talk about it. And then third, extend hospitality. Uh, Can I get one of the elders to flip number four off the light? Thanks, I think that helps the text show up a little bit. And, uh, so apply spiritual disciplines, engage in spiritual conversations, and extend hospitality. Hospitality is the most surprising to me that the power of that, that God uses in just inviting somebody into your home and watching you live out your faith, how powerful that can be to other people. So last week we talked a bit about practices, disciplines, praying together, and starting that. Today we're moving into spiritual conversations. That's what we're talking about. And again, we'll unpack a lot more of the data in Bible class uh, afterwards if you want to come but today we're going to talk about spiritual conversations. What does that mean? What does that look like? So a question for you. If you were to write down the topics of your household conversations in the last week, what would they be? What are the things you talked about in your household in the past week? Baseball. Good. I like baseball. Football, yeah, baseball, football. Maybe food, around food. Probably some of you talked about politics. That's how he gets up there, right? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things. Maybe some more deeper, important things. But if you were to write down the topics of your household conversation, not just for the last week, but what about the last month or what about the last year? And I think talking about, well, soccer would go to the top of my list. But football, baseball, they're okay. Those are all fine and good and love talking about them, but if it only is in that realm and you never make it to what's really going on in your life, how is, what is God doing in your life, how does God want to be with you in that, and where, how is God working among us, and if you never get there, you're missing something. So if we were to take household conversational inventory, then how often would you and I say we talk about God with those nearest to us or in our household, and how often do we pray together and do some of those things? Well, here's what God tells his people when they're about to go into the promised land about how real, live, active he wants their relationship to him be and his word. And by the way, if, this, if you go, hmm, I think we looked at this last week. We did. And we're going to look at it again because it's such a great section. It says, here, listen up, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house. So here's God saying, have spiritual conversations. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you, are, when you rise, when you walk, that's when you're in your car, going places, commuting, when you lie down, when you rise, that is kind of shorthand for all the time, lie down, rise, sleep, get up, day, night. Talk about God and what he's done for you and God's word and what he's 
and how he's working in your life. Talk about the goodness of God. Talk naturally in everyday life, at dinner, at breakfast, in the car, on a walk, in normal everyday life. You see, God wants you to share the most important thing with the most important people in your life. God wants you to share the gospel with those closest to you. So yes, that's why I said God wants you to tell your your children, your husband, your wife, that Jesus really does love you and he really did die for you because he loves you. And he's alive again because he loves you and he's powerful over death. And today is different and a new day because Jesus is alive. And God wants you to remind those that you live with that God has promised to never leave you, never forsake you, no matter how hard life is. God wants you to share that together. goes on, it says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Yes, our faith life and faith walk is a private thing. Pray often alone and read the scriptures alone. But here he's telling his people, it's not just a private thing. It's a public thing. Bind on a sign on your hand. If you've seen Jewish people today, that's what they do with the, it's like a black box called Teflon. They put it on their forehead and on their left arm because it's closest to the heart. And they say the, their morning and their prayers with that on, bind it as a sign on your hand. They literally do that. And frontlets between your eyes. And then write it on the doorposts of your house and your gates. That's an advertisement. And it should be for Christians an advertisement that you should expect me to live differently because I follow Jesus. You should expect me to be compassionate and forgiving and loving and kind. It's, it's public, not just private. And then he goes on to say, you shall, verse 7, teach to your children, talk of them in your house, and rock, all these things. Then you get to verse 12, it says, then do all this, that is, take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, the most powerful thing God did for his people in the Old Testament. How could you forget that? But they do. How could you and I forget that God in Christ came and lived and died and and rose for you and now is reigning for you? How could we forget that? But we do. Take care lest you forget. Here's an example. Let's say, for those of you that are are married, let's say that on your the day you got married, on your wedding day, you've been waiting, a busy day, lots going on. You've been waiting to tell your new wife that you love her. But it's been a busy day, and so you finally get a, a moment to yourselves, and you say, I love you, sweetie. And then let's say that ever since that moment and that day that you told her that you love her on your wedding day, you have never told her ever since. You just never thought it was necessary. Well, I told her once. She, she should know. And so days go by, and weeks go by, and months, and, and years go by, and and. Sooner or later, she asks you, right, why don't you ever tell me that you love me? And your reply is, well, I already told you once. Isn't that enough? You should know that it's true, right? Do I have to tell you again and again? How is your marriage at this point? <laughs> it sounds pretty obvious that in a real, live, living relationship, you have meaningful conversation and you remind each other of things that you have said before, right? And, and, and some of us need to be reminded of things you've been told before over and over again, right? 
Take care lest you forget the Lord and what he's done for you. How often do you need to hear that Jesus loves you? Or what if you made a habit of telling everybody in your household every day that Jesus loves you? How might that change your household? Because it's true, Jesus loves you all the way to the cross and back through the tomb, back alive again, and he's reigning from the throne of heaven, and he sends his spirit to join you even at your dinner table. You see, you and I are meant to talk about God's word and God's work. We're meant to talk about it. We're meant to talk about God in real time in the fabric of our everyday lives. We were made to be in relationship with our Creator and our Savior, and the Holy Spirit wants to join us in everyday life. But here's the thing. Some of you are probably sitting there thinking, okay, I get it, sure, uh, we're not good at this, or man, we're total failures at this, or, or man, we've got a lot of work. Or, here's the thing, nobody's perfect. And guess what? What they also found on the research is the things they're talking about that God uses to, to work in your lives are very doable things. Not that you ever take credit for growing in faith, but you can open the scriptures, read something, and put your soul in the path of the gospel. You can make a small change and put yourself in the path of the good news of Jesus. You can choose to pray together. You can read a psalm together as you eat. You, you can start something or change something. You can start a practice. You can have a conversation or you can invite somebody over. So for uh, Amy and I, our family, this has brought about some good conversations for us in the past number of months. And so it did help us make some changes because, again, we're not perfect, and we have young kids, and we're trying to figure this out, too. And so Amy and I wanted to be more intentional about talking about God with our children. So here's one thing we did. See if you can see it okay. My artistic wife, that's uh, about this big on our wall near our, our dinner table, uh, chalk on some painty chalk stuff. I'm, I'm not the art one, so. And they're just questions there, who, what, why, where, how, and then obviously Jesus in the middle. And so there are questions we can just ask one at the dinner table. We can say, hey, who have you, or what, I'm sorry, what have you learned in God's word lately? Oh, okay, we can talk about that. Or who have you shown God's love to? Or where have you seen Jesus working in your life? And there's a few hows. How can we pray for you? Or how can we bless our community? So we have those there, and in full disclosure... When's the last time we talked about one, Amy? You're here, right? When's the last time we actually brought one up at dinner table? Okay, a couple weeks ago. So there's my honesty. But guess what? Because it's there, it has brought up more conversations even if we don't say, hey, let's talk about one of those questions. So at the dinner table yesterday, somebody asked something, and there we have a very meaningful spiritual conversation. So even, even though we're not even saying we're going to do this right now, it's there, some sort of intentional step helps us. So do we do it every night? No, but because it's there, it happens more often, yes. So I want to close by letting you see uh, a video of some different families that were connected to by Lutheran Hour as a part of their project and research. And different households, some are roommates, some are, are you know, a lot of different household makeups. They just talk about it in, in real life, oh, what it looks like. 